God, uh, let's thank them again for just uh, leading us to the Lord and always doing so. Um, so thankful. We'll, we'll share a little bit more. Many of you know that we are, uh, I'm not saying goodbye. I was about to say goodbye. Believers never say goodbye, do we? Uh, we say see you later. And so after our service, you'll have an opportunity to express your love and gratitude to Justin and Holly uh, as many of you know, they're heading up to a church up north, forgot the name of it, but there's a church, um, and they have a pastor, I can't remember his name either, but I hear he's a great guy, and uh, was mentored well, taught, and <laughs> led well, but uh, yeah, so we're going to have an opportunity to do that, but we don't want to get into that right now. We want to dive into the Word of God and focus on Jesus and, and what He's done for us um, I know that's why you're here. So you can go ahead and grab your Bible. In fact, we're going to turn to a very popular, um, not so subtle announcement of the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. And um, it, this is where, this is a very famous passage. In fact, if you don't know the Bible well, but you kind of grew up like I did watching the Charlie Brown Christmas, you know, Linus has that drop the mic moment where he steps up on stage and he says, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And um, we're going to be focusing on that next week as we talk about peace. Uh, this week, we're talking about, again, continuing the wonder of his love. The wonders of his love. Isaac Watts is the one who wrote the great uh, Christian carol hymn, Joy to the World. And in it, he says, he rules the world uh, with truth and grace. I love that. Right out of John 1, 14. Uh, and makes the nations prove. This is so powerful. The glories of his righteousness the expression of his righteousness, and the wonder of his love. And so throughout this um, Advent season, we're looking at the wonders of his love as we think about uh, hope at Christmas time. Each, you know, each week, even as we focused on today, joy with uh, the Mason family, we've talked about hope is love expecting. We said that grace, we talked about grace is love preempting. Uh, that's gospel love. That's Christmas love. That's our love for others. Today, joy is love really overflowing. We're going to talk about this. Uh, joy is not happiness. We're going to talk about that today a bit. And then next week, we're going to talk about peace, um, which is joy at rest, joy resting. And um, so we're going to get to Luke 2 in just a moment. Uh, okay, how many, tell me, how many of you have finished your shopping? Anybody done, finished your, your shopping? Uh, anybody uh, still has shopping to do? All right, you still got something to do? All right, uh, how many of you not started yet? You just ready? Yeah, that's like half. Okay, a lot of you, a little pressure is on because you know this is like next week, right? You know it's just a week away, Christmas Eve. But um, some of you who got on it, you're all, all prepared and ready to roll. But, you know, Christmas can be a really high uh, kind of anxiety time. And there's a lot of pressure just in general. I think what guides some of us, and I want to call it out today and talk about it, there's, there's a lot of pressure to be happy. And if you're watching, you know, I mean, stuff that's coming, you don't have to be watching, but just be looking around at Christmas time, and there's so much coming at us. We've already talked about this a bit, but commercials and ads, and they're all saying, if you could have this product, you would be really happy. And without it, you're probably not. Uh, and then look at these people who have bought our products. They are so happy. Look at them. You know, and they're just crazy happy, and we just think, I want to be like that. I'd like to be happy. I'm not that happy. You know, who's always happy, though? And what I want to do today is really set you free. Um, because what happens at Christmas time is that, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe, uh, maybe a lot of us wrestle. 
about this? None of us are happy all the time. Jesus, we're going to see, was not happy all the time. The perfect man was called the man of sorrows. But he experienced something that no one could take away. And it's the same thing that you and I can experience, regardless of what's going on in our lives, and it's joy. Joy is not happiness. And so I want to set you free today. If you're, if you're here today, and yes, even the songs, you know, even our, hey, happy holidays, we implore each other, you know, Merry Christmas, and it's the most wonderful time of the year. And some of us are thinking, maybe not, not really, but I'm, you know, another party, church, joy of the world. And some of us, some of us are dying on the inside. And I just want you to know, this is a safe place, just to be yourself. Uh, and we know that this is a hard time of the year, the hardest time for some of us, for a lot of reasons. Some of you are walking through Christmas, maybe it's a first for you, without someone you love, or maybe someone you love is not with you this year. Maybe you're going through one of the most difficult times in your life, and I want you to, I want you to know that not only is that okay, but there's hope. And we're going to talk about that today. If you apply what I'm going to share today, it will change your life. Every person in here, it'll change your life. Because Christmas time is difficult for a lot of us because the pain or struggle, even some of us wrestling with depression or even uh, mental illness throughout the year, uh, at Christmas time, our pain is even more acute because it's contrasted up against all the supposed happiness presumed happiness that so many are experiencing. And I just want to set you free. Not all of us are real happy this year. And yet we sing aspiring songs. That's a good thing. That's why we come together. We encourage each other. But I want you to know that, that happiness is, is not joy. Joy is not happiness. So let's talk about the wonders of his love. We're going to think about a different kind of happy. That's what we're going to talk about. So let me, let me explain it this way, and then we're going to jump into the text. Um, so, so think of it this way. Happiness is based on happenstance. That's why it's called happiness. It's happy based on the circumstances around you. If things are going well, you're happy. If they're not, uh, n- not happy. Now you, you could argue, well, how in the, is there another way to live, right? And you know, this is, that's this kind of life. Uh, that's a lot of fun. You go to Six Flags, you get on a roller coaster, right? Um, that's fun. Unless you can't get off. Uh, that'll make you sick. And in the same way, many of us live a life not of ease and gospel rest. We live with dis-ease and, and we live up and down based on the circumstances of our lives. And there's another way to live, friends. And we're going to talk about it today. Happiness is based on happenstance, circumstance. You can say it this way. Happiness is like a thermometer. It registers conditions. It's hot. It's cold. Okay, and thermometer goes up and down based on external conditions. Joy is a thermostat. It regulates conditions. Joy allows us to live above our circumstances, and it's exactly the way God wants you to live. But there's a formula, if you will. There's some responsibility on your part, and we're going to see it in this passage. We talk about it often. We're going to see it here how we can experience joy. All right, so Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read throughout this passage. You'll know it well, um, perhaps. But I want you to listen. Listen to what the shepherds do as they respond to the message. And in the same region, verse 8, this is around Bethlehem, there were, which is about 30 miles uh, from Jerusalem, hardly. It's almost a 
Now it's almost a, in a suburb. There were uh, shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory, okay, the expression of his, of his character, his holiness, namely, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Okay? This, this word great is the word mega, literally, in the Greek. So this is mega. This is big, big time fear. They were terrified, is what this is saying. And the angel said to them, and by the way, it says that the angel appeared to them. It doesn't say that he was hovering over them. You know, like our little nativity is getting hilarious. Let's put him up. He's right over there, you know. And it, it says that he appeared to them. Um, and the angel said to them, fear not. So watch this. That's the most common command in scripture. For behold, or look, I bring you good news. That word is euangelion, gospel, as Justin noted earlier. Good news of great joy. Watch this. Great fear is met with great joy. Mega joy. Biggie size. This is uh, supreme joy. All right. Big time joy up against big time fear. That will be for all the people. Notice it's for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then he says this. So they're like, okay, wow. You know, I mean, act like you've never heard this. They're tracking with him. Okay, what? A Savior has been born. And this will be a sign. Like, here's how you're going to know. And the Gospels are filled with signs. Signs pointing to the Gospel, to God's redemptive work. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby. And now they're going to, what? You know. Um, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. You're going to find, okay, Savior's born, Christ the Lord, and he is a baby, and he's going to be a feed trough in a little town called Bethlehem. And so this is crazy. I mean, first time news. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God. So praising God and glorifying God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. So his favor, there's different ways to translate this. Um, this incomparable riches of his grace now given to us. Notice where you interpret scripture with scripture. It doesn't say with those who have deserved or have finally achieved something in order to gain his favor. It says with, with those with whom he's pleased. And we know that it's those who've received the gospel have been made righteous by him. Nothing that we've done. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So you see this urgency immediately. And they went with haste. It means they rushed off. They hurried and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. You ever like me, you ever wondered parenthetically, wait, wait, how did, how did, how did they... How'd they get there? How'd they find them? You can imagine with lots of family and people, and those guys perhaps lived in that area, maybe, and it would not have gone, gone unnoticed to see an, uh, a, a woman nine months pregnant on a donkey having traveled a long way. Word would spread, nah, you know, have you seen a pregnant woman? Anybody know about a baby being born? Um, so they ultimately find, of course you could argue, well, supernaturally the Lord guided them, but I think it was through... Um, Point signs uh, along the way. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. In other words, we, it, here's what happened. We were out, we were out and the angel showed up and said this. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But, or in contrast, I love this outlier verse right here. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She knew better than anybody in 
that stable what was happening? She'd heard from the angel, the annunciation. She knew what was up. And then she's putting it all together. Verse 20, and the, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. Okay, uh, angels doing this exactly previously. Now, uh, the shepherds, praising, glory and, uh, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Okay, and then verse 29 adds, after the eight days, he goes, he's circumcised, and they call him Jesus, Yeshua, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. All right? So in order to fully grasp the significance of the angel, I mean, the, the shepherds, it's important to know what uh, first century shepherds were like. Okay, and just very briefly, but it's powerful. That God would choose shepherds to show up uh, and announce his birth. First century shepherds were really on the lowest um, kind of cast, if you will, of, of, a, of an economic system. They were one step away from being homeless, really. Because the job was so simple, but it was not, not easy. You'd have to be with shepherds, uh, I mean sheep, 24-7. So they're out watching their flock. They're, they're taking their watch, their moment to be out there. And um, it was a dirty job. If you look throughout the Bible, you see shepherds throughout the Old Testament. Um, in fact, you might remember a famous shepherd in 1 Samuel chapter 16, where, where Samuel's going to look for the next king of Israel. And he goes to Jesse's house and he says, are these all your sons? And he basically, he's kind of like, yeah, these are all my sons. Oh, no, wait, I got another one. The youngest one, because this was often the case, given over to children even, the youngest one is out, he's watching sheep, but you don't want him. He's just out there, he's shepherd boy. David, who would become the king, right? So often this job was not even done by adults, but younger People, we might even assume that to be the case, kind of an entry job for some. Maybe these are teenagers who are out there. We don't really know. But they were um, not looked upon, uh, particularly by Torah-observant Jews. They could not take time to all the meticulous hand-washing and cleansing. They were with animals all day. And uh, so they're often looked down upon by the Jews. And um, they, were, they were ostracized. I think it's important to note, they were the ones who didn't make the cut. They were, they were kind of left out. Uh, surely they felt that they were. And so the shepherds uh, are the ones to whom God comes and he brings this announcement. And the announcement is this. You see it right in the central uh, part of this passage, Luke 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now this thing of uh, joy to the world, we sing about it, is like peace on earth. It's one of those... Um, sentimental Christmas sayings that's often misunderstood, misguided in our culture. You'll get it on a card or something. But um, again, biblical joy is not the state of being happy. Joy is a deep sense of well-being that God is in control of all things. I'd say it this way. Here's my, here's my working definition. Then we're going to apply this text. Joy is the response, you can see it on screen, to God's sovereignty and his purpose is being accomplished in our lives. All right? That's joy. Sovereignty is God's supreme and independent authority over your life. And, and joy is this deep sense of satisfaction that God is at work in my life. If you know the New Testament a little bit, uh, Romans 8, 28 and 29, this, this idea attaches itself straight to uh, Romans 8, 29, 28, 29. It says this, uh, that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
And then we miss verse 29 often. We don't keep reading. His purpose is to conform us into the image of his son, to be like Jesus. So whatever comes our way, that is God's plan. It's why you can trust the sovereignty of God, regardless of conditions, regardless of circumstances. And you can, you can take what God is bringing into your life, things that you did not anticipate, news that he brings, and, and the truth that he brings, and you can say, God is at work in my life. If my ultimate goal is to be conformed into the image of God, I can experience joy regardless of what's happening in my life. And we no longer have to live this roller coaster extremes of happiness and unhappiness. So let's talk about it, a different kind of happy. All right? I want to talk about how to experience joy. The first is uh, we, we must hear from God. All right? This is what happens first. right? God is the initiator of joy. God is always the initiator. He's the primary missionary. We see this at Christmas time. He comes to us. He's the source of joy. But look at this. Hearing from God is scary. Verse 8 and 9. Now, now you might say, well, Jeff, if I heard from, a, you know, from an angel, I mean, I'd be sure. I'd be like the shepherds. I'd be going, really? Listen, how often are you hearing from God even now? Often when we hear from God, it's not what we expected. It comes at, at unexpected times. And often... Uh, it causes us to do things we were not anticipating uh, that we would be doing. And let me ask you this. Are you hearing from God yourself in these days? You say, well, again, I don't have an angel. Listen, listen. You have his word. Are you in his word? If you're not in his word, I got a hunch you're not hearing from God. Now, he speaks to us through other people. He's speaking, I pray, through me right now. It's why you came today. He speaks through, through creation. He speaks in all kinds of ways. But the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. How do you know if you've heard from God? It aligns with his word. This is his word to us. This is the miracle of his voice to us. But you've got to be in it. And to be in his word daily means he's going to speak to you. But hearing from him can be scary. Because God challenges us to do, I would argue this, if, if it doesn't scare you a bit, if it doesn't get you out of your comfort zone when you hear from God, it's probably not God you've heard from. Because he calls us to places that we were not anticipating. But I want you to see right at the center of this story is this thought too. And so I want you to kind of be at ease and be encouraged by this. This is a story of the miraculous invading the mundane stuff of life. Because that's most of life, right? It's just the day. He, I mean, these guys are at work. They're taking a late shift. And God shows up in ways they never could have anticipated. But hearing from God is scary, as the shepherds show us here. But hearing from God is good. It's good because uh, we're unworthy to hear from him. And he comes to us just like the shepherds. And it's good because the message is good news. But I want you to see here, too, it's very clear. God's message is this, good news of great joy for all who, rece who will receive it. And the message is good because it's Jesus. Christ is the message. Ultimately, you see, all of God's best gifts, this is what we're talking about at Advent this year, all of his best gifts are wrapped up in Jesus. Christ is our hope. Christ is the one who brings grace to us. He's the first mover. Jesus is our joy. He is our peace. All of God's best gifts are wrapped up in Jesus Christ. But look at the message. The good news is a person. And look at how the angel describes 
the person. Specific details, titles are given, I should say. First, he says he's the Savior. This word is the one who saves. It's the, the word that he's given, uh, Yeshua, the name. It means God saves, literally. And then he says he's Christ, which can also be uh, translated Messiah. Okay, we see this in the, in the Old Testament, the Messiah to come. This is Christ, the anointed one. You can also translate it liberating king is who he is. Look at the titles the angel gives him. He's the Lord. Just as we saw proclaimed from the baptistry today, he is a master leader of my life. You've heard the word maybe in Greek, kurios. Uh, again, Yeshua, the Lord saves is his name. The angel gives him these titles. God's message of saving grace is wrapped up in a person. Even more, a baby. No more vulnerable creature on the planet. I mean, my, our puppy is not as vulnerable as a baby boy. And God comes to us, and he still gives to us his word. Are you hearing from him? The word of God, his word points us by the spirit of God to the son of God. He's still speaking into your heart if you're listening. First, we hear from him. Second, we respond to him. Notice immediate action. You saw that they hurried. Notice the urgency. What if they had waited? You know, I mean, that'd be crazy, right? Like, let's go, let's go see this. Immediately go to tell others. When God invites you to join in on his plans, when God speaks to you, do you know when it's time to obey? Immediately. In some way. I mean, if you're sitting in your quiet time reading the word, and he says, wow, I just heard that. I need to apply that. I know what to do. When do you start doing that? You start making plans, moving towards that immediately. Because listen, don't miss this. Here's a key part of this message. It's one thing to hear from God. If you don't act on it, you will never see the power of God show up in your life. Obedience activates the Spirit of God. It's not a download of information. Even today, if you don't act on what the Spirit is speaking and saying to you, it's all for naught. Our gatherings are almost worthless because we're to worship God outside of these walls and in our lives. It's like this. You know, um, Isaac Newton is the one who had the, th the, the three laws of motion, really. Uh, the first law is called the law of inertia. And it says that an inanimate object uh, will not move unless it's acted upon by an outside or unbalanced force. And it also says that you cannot redirect an object, guide an object, unless it's moving. What happens in the physical laws of the universe take place in our spiritual lives. God will not direct and guide you and lead you until you start moving. This is a spiritual principle that many of us need to practice. Again, how did the shepherds, how did they ever find Jesus? They started moving. They knew what God had said and they started to act on it. Then God shows up and starts to direct them. Let me ask you, how is God moving in your life? How is he prompting you? Maybe to reach out to someone. To make a decision. You've got a sense, and here's the question often. Well, Jeff, I'm, I'm in the Word, but it's not specific about this, this new job, or how, what I should say, or should I? No, it's very, yeah, should I love this person? Yes. Again, the crazy uncle showing up this week, or the wayward cousin, or they're bringing that person. You know, um, Listen, what do we do? What do we do next? Love. We know that. As you act on that, God reveals himself and shows you. But I don't know what to say. Act on it. Just dive in. God's going to lead you. He tells you he's going to give you words to say. And so you see, we have to move. How is God calling you right now in your life to move? 
He's calling you to move on what you already know. We all know more than we are obeying. And it's why we wonder at times, God, why wouldn't you show up in my life? He's saying, you're not moving. Because ultimately, why doesn't he just reveal the, the third, fourth, fifteenth step? Because the, because the journey is always to him, ultimately. Even here, the shepherds, where are we going? Jesus. How are we going to get? Let's go. Don't know. Notice, too, they did this together. I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know if one of them was like, let's go to Bethlehem. Are you kidding me? Let's do this. Let's finish this deal. I, I doubt that any of them were like, meh, my watch is over, bro. I'm going home. I mean, I'm out. I'm done. I mean, that was cool. But, but, and yet we do that. We gather for worship even, and we're touched by the Spirit of God, and we go, that's good. Lunch. Where, where are we going? What's up? Now, we're all going to lunch. But how are we going to apply this to our lives, right? And so we, we experience joy when we hear from God. We experience joy when we respond to God. And then thirdly, finally, we, we hear from God and we tell others. The three irreducible questions of a disciple. What is God saying? How will I obey? Whom will I tell? If you live that way, listen, you will experience joy. That is the life of the joy-filled disciple. It says here that they went and spread the word, verse 17. Notice their response. It involved sharing with others. We need to be offering a verbal witness to people in our lives. I mean, who keeps this kind of news to themselves? People who don't care about others, right? People who have the cure for cancer and don't share it, who have the cure for some disease, the worst disease of all is sin. Friends, let me encourage you to be bold in your witness this week. And let me, let me challenge you to invite. Think about someone now, bam, prompt, prompted by the Spirit, act on it, to invite someone to join you Christmas Eve, to come and worship the Savior. Verse 18 says, everyone who heard it was amazed. I love that. See, see the, the Word of God tells us that the Spirit goes with us and we are to share the gospel with others, this good news that we've heard with other people. I hope you'll continue to do that in this, this coming week. And then finally, this is the, this is the last point here, the, the, is the end. We rejoice. I've said it. This all leads to joy. We experience joy. That's worship. It's our response to all that He's done for us. This is a joy-filled life. We've heard from God. Christ has come. He brings us good news. And His good news is Jesus. And I can rejoice in that. I've said it before. If your life from this day on, just instead of up and to the right, from this day forward, you are, I mean, one troubled day after another and each day gets worse. Friends, listen. God's already done enough through Christ for you to worship Him all the days of your life and throughout all of eternity. Do you see it? Happiness is a thermometer. Joy is a thermostat. Now, through my studies, I really believe that these shepherds were, uh, were sure enough, very likely watching over temple sheep. Sheep that would be uh, in so, so, so many uh, numbers of sheep and flocks across uh, these fields because so many were needed. Uh, for all of the sacrifices that took place in Jerusalem, particularly at Passover, it, this was a bloody religion because of the sins of the people that had to be atoned for. And these shepherds 
Little did they know, these shepherds would show up in that stable, perhaps, in the manger, wherever they, they find themselves, in the manger was the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. And then Jesus shows up today. Friends, if you don't know Christ, if you've never received his grace, he shows up today and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then in John 10, 14, my sheep know me and I know them. They know my voice. Listen, listen. Do you know him today? Do you know him? Have you received his grace by faith? Because we see here Jesus, the man of sorrow, says Jesus wept. Jesus was not always happy, but he was filled with joy. Because he was constantly living out the will of the Father. So, looking to Jesus, it says Hebrews 12, 2. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was filled with joy even as he went to the cross because he knew that he was accomplishing the will of the Father on your behalf and for me. And that brought him great joy. You see, we can follow him and we can trust him because he's given his life to us. He said to his disciples as he says to us, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. And he says, and that your joy may be full. One of those disciples who was there wrote this later. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know or now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy. I love that. That's kind of a way of, it's kind of a superlative joy. Rejo- what else are you going to rejoice with, right? Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith salvation of your souls. Friends, listen, you can experience joy regardless of what's happening in your life. If you'll hear from God, be in His Word, commit to His church, even a connect group, find yourself among other believers, be encouraged. You'll hear from Him, you'll obey Him, and you tell others about Him. That is how you experience gospel joy. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the good news of the gospel that has come to us even again today. And I pray, Lord, for those who are here, realizing that all of this begins as we enter into relationship with you. This truth is not for all people except for those who have received this news. So I want to ask you, friend, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, do you know the Savior? Have you received His grace? He lived the perfect life for you because you could not. He died as the perfect Lamb of God to take away your sin because you could not. He's done all that's necessary and all now that's needed is for you to receive His grace by faith. And praise Him that it's by faith. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to work enough. Be religious enough. By faith, right now, say, Lord, come into my life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I give you my life. Thank you for this good news that I did not know. I give you my life. 
Lord, I pray that you would guide some of us to act like the disciples with a sense of urgency today. Some need to join the fellowship of the church today. Some who've received Christ or need to proclaim that through baptism today. That they would move with courage. So God, we give you our lives and we worship you. We thank you that you are Emmanuel. That you are with us. And we celebrate that you did not leave us alone. That you came to rescue us. And you are now with us. And we praise you in Christ's name.